Um, so before we get to uh, the years 300 or so uh, AD, we're just going to run through uh, kind of just a very few key uh, dates in the life of the church uh, post-apostles. So after uh, John, the apostle, died, and um, we had a discussion about this, uh, some of us, at lunchtime. And I said he died on the island of Patmos, but actually it's believed he went back to Ephesus uh, in uh, the year 98, and so uh, he died. And that was, that's significant because he's the last of the apostles to die, uh, so uh, at that point it's the apostles that were with the Lord Jesus, they've, they've died, and so now it's, we're in the kind of post-apostolic age, it's called. Um, in the year 110, 110 AD, Ignatius of Antioch died. Why do I note that? Well, he was an important figure. Uh, he was in the early church. He was bishop of Antioch, which was a large and important city. He wrote many letters to encourage churches and to correct churches as well on false teaching. He was arrested for refusing to worship idols, and then he was martyred in Rome. We have another martyr, Justin, who I think is known, uh, some people may know more than me, as Justin Martyr, actually. Um, he died in 165 AD. He was martyred after him and some friends of his refused to deny Jesus as Lord. And he was quite significant in the early church. He was known as a Christian apologist um, in the church. So he was another influential figure in the life of the early church. In 180 AD, the Apostles' Creed was produced, or around that time anyway. It wasn't produced by the Apostles, but uh, has been given the name Apostles' Creed, but not until the year 390, actually. But it was a significant, and still is a significant, uh, creed in the life of the church. Sometimes we say it here on Sunday mornings. It was used to teach new converts the faith, and to remind true believers about what they believed. In the year 250 AD, so we're skipping forward a little bit, we've got the decree of Dacius. Emperor Dacius uh, passed a law that said all people must sacrifice to Roman gods. Many Christians defied the law, which meant that people were arrested and even executed. Even big bishops, like the bishops of Rome, Jerusalem, and Antioch, were executed because of this decree. So it was a, a, a big thing for Christians in the early years of the church, in the early centuries of the church. In the year 303 AD, you've got Emperor Dio Diocletian, that might be how you say his name, who passed laws against Christians, more laws against Christians, uh, which said if they remained true to their beliefs, then they lost their own property and possessions. So you're a Christian, but if you remain true to your Christian beliefs, you lose your home, you lose your possessions. 
uh, Christians would be arrested and imprisoned or executed again. Churches had their buildings destroyed as a result of this decree, and bishops again were imprisoned. But instead of the church weakening, apparently the church grew stronger uh, uh, in this time. It was a tough, tough uh, decade, really, for Christians and persecution. But things changed, and this is where we'll zoom in and spend our time, really. As uh, Emperor Constantine uh, took charge, he became a, a Roman emperor, and he became the first one to convert to Christianity in the year 312. So this was, this was good for Christians. Um, does that move on the screen? Oh, how fun. Uh, evening entertainment. Um, <laughs> so we're moving into fourth century uh, Christianity. Uh, and here is Constantine, uh, the first Christian emperor. Um, I'm sure he looked a bit more alive than, than that. Um, and he, in the year 313, so in 312 he converted to Christianity. In the year 313, he uh, brought forth this Edict of Milan, which kind of reversed things for Christians. So, here's some text from it. When you see this has been granted to Christians by us, your worship will know that we have also conceded to other religions the right of open and free observance of their worship for the sake of the peace of our times, that each one may have the free opportunity to worship as he pleases. This regulation is made that we may not seem to detract from any dignity of any religion. In other words, Christians could, could now worship freely. A uh, huge, huge change uh, in the Roman Empire. Uh, and this caused great changes. Um, so pagan temples, which were used for see, worshipping uh, other gods, were used for Christian worship. Apparently, the pantheon in Rome was. Uh, Sundays became days free from work. Christian symbols appeared on coins. And property that had been taken from Christians had been returned. So this was a huge uh, reversal for, for Christians at that time. Uh, Constantine, he was seen as an, as an emperor, but he was also kind of seen as a leader in the church. Government and church kind of came together uh, in this time. Successes to Constantine um, made church and state relationships quite strained, but this, this was a pretty unique uh, time for uh, the church. And in uh, 324 AD, Constantine conquered the eastern half of the Roman Empire. And as he did so, he found that the eastern church, uh, he found that they were divided by a doctrinal dispute, um, which is where we're really going to uh, zoom in on. So the big issue was something called Arianism. So there was a preacher, a very popular preacher in Libya, called Arius, and 
he had views about Jesus which were uh, quite different. Um, he said there was once there once was a time when the sun was not. In other words, he was saying that God the Father created the Son. That the Son hasn't been an eternal being, and in fact is a kind of lesser God. And thus begun Arianism, the heresy that was Arianism. And it grew in popularity. He said that the Father alone was God. Logos, Jesus, the Word, was a creature created by God just as he creates all things. There was once a time when the Son was not. He was the first and greatest of all that God created. So he's saying Jesus is not eternal and not God, but a creature created by God. That's, that's what Arianism is. He's trying to understand the Trinity, uh, which is a big concept for our finite human brains to understand, but Scripture is our guide. Uh, and we today, uh, along with many others in this time, uh, believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. But this, this uh, false teaching was growing in its influence and its popularity. And so something, something kind of had to be done. Uh, there was also another teaching by a guy called Origen who said there were kind of grades of divinity. So grades, are, um, so, so saying that the Father is more than the Son. Um, the, the Son is still God, is still eternally God, but he's like less God than the Father is. Many Eastern bishops had accepted uh, Origen's view, actually, um, which is closer to Scripture, but isn't. Um, and Arius degree, uh, disagreed completely. Um, another key player in all this was a guy called Alexander, um, he was Arius's bishop. He was bishop of Alexandria. Alexander, bishop of Alexandria. Um, he was unhappy with Origen's view here, as well as Arius's view, and he insisted, he was adamant that the Son was fully and truly God, just as the Father was, which I think we can say an amen to. Um, and so, all of this led to the calling of a council, a big meeting of bishops and priests and deacons to discuss together what the church believes about Jesus, particularly about Jesus. And so it was a big, big moment. And here's a quote from the time which says, uh, Now when they were all assembled, it appeared evident that the proceeding was the work of God. Inasmuch as men who had been most widely separated, not merely in sentiment, but also personally and by difference of country, place, and nation, were here brought together and comprised within the walls of a single city. 
forming, as it were, a vast garland of priests composed of a variety of the choicest flowers. What what wonderful language. Um, in, In other words, it was an incredible meeting. People from all over the place, from all sorts of uh, church backgrounds and, and um, kind of b- varying views on uh, Jesus in Scripture, came together. They were came uh, to thrash this out. And, and it lasted about a month. It was led by Constantine, the, the emperor. And within this time they came up with what we call the Nicene Creed. And we're going we're gonna to say the Nicene Creed in a bit. It did develop later on. There were some changes that had to be made, but, um, but they came up with the Nicene Creeds. A Nicene Creed which rejected Arianism. It was very clear that what, what Arianism taught w- was wrong. A- and the kind of key key thing uh, in all of this was a, a, funny, a funny word uh, called homusios. Um, uh, you don't have to remember that, but uh, um, it's, it's a funny word, so I thought I'd share it with us. Um, and it means of the same being or essence as the Father. And so this is kind of the key bit This is the key bit in the Nicene Creed, okay? Uh, So it says, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. It's saying Jesus and the Father are both God. (laughs) They're both divine. And it was a clear rejection of what Arius and his uh, colleagues taught. Uh, after the church uh, worked through, after the Council of Nicaea worked through all this and came up with the, the Nicene Creed, it also um, came up with a series of what were called anathemas. Uh, does anyone know what anathema means? A curse, yeah, kind of. Um, it's it's a curse, uh, and and they were they were saying it. Uh, they they came up with these anathemas to give over people to declare someone to be outside the church. If you don't believe what we believe about Jesus here, you're, you're we're saying you're outside the church. Um, so if, if people believed in Arianism, if people believed that Jesus was created and not eternally God, uh, they're declared outside the church. And so this is what they said. Uh, As for those who say there was a time when he, the Logos, Jesus, the Word, was not, and he was not before he was created, and he was created out of nothing or out of another essence or thing, and the Son of God is created or changeable or can alter, the Holy Catholic, Catholic here means universal, uh, and apostolic church anathematizes those who say such things. So those who say things that, that disagree with what, we've, what we believe about Jesus, they're, they're out of the church. 
And so Arius and some of his supporters, were, they were kind of sent into exile. They were sent out of the church. Um, so really, what, what had been going on, I, I think, is an amazing work of God to bring together a wide variety of people to thrash out together uh, the doctrine of the church, uh, things that, that we can be thankful for, uh, that they, God led them in this way. It was a key time. We're going to think through some questions and some Bible stuff on on this kind of topic in a moment in our groups. But before we do, uh, I'd love us to do two things. Firstly, I'd love us to say uh, the Nicene Creed, and then I'd love us to sing uh, You're the Word of God the Father, which seems appropriate to sing. Um, so we'll, we'll say this creed. We're going to go up to where it says we believe in the Holy Spirit because as we'll see next week, uh, there was more uh, disagreement about what the Ho- Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity is. And so they just had on the end of the Nicene Creed in 325, they just had on the end, we believe in the Holy Spirit. They didn't want to say any more on that bit, but they, they, they got, got the, the Jesus part sorted. Um, so we're going to say this. Uh, it's a few slides, and then we'll we'll sing uh, that song. Um, so, together, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, So let's, uh, when we get the music sorted, let's stand and sing.
There we go. There we are. Um, although Arianism, I guess, doesn't exist maybe by name in the same way today, it still kind of does. Uh, so I was thinking about what Jehovah Witnesses believe, for instance, about the Lord Jesus. And uh, just a quick Google search um, came up with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was created by Jehovah as the Archangel Michael before the physical world existed and is a lesser God, uh, lesser though mighty God, small g as well. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that when Jesus was born on earth, he was a mere human and not God in the flesh. It sounds very similar to Arianism to me. Uh, and there'll be others that uh, may believe similar things uh, about the Lord Jesus. And so uh, to get us looking in the Bible together, I've got two questions, and your group will have one of the two. So there should be a slip of paper around where your group is. And um, the first one, if someone tells us that, that Jesus was a created being rather than of the same being as God, how do these and maybe other, some other scriptures you know help you answer against this? Uh, and the same uh, for if Jesus isn't eternal. So slightly different things, similarities between the questions, but if Jesus was a created being and, and not absolutely divine, um, or if Jesus isn't eternally God. Uh, very similar things, but, but slight, slight difference, I think. So have a chat in your groups, um, maybe probably for 10 minutes. I think we could probably keep going for a while. We'll, we'll see. If we run out of steam before 10 minutes, then we can uh, come together. Have a chat in your groups. I'll join this little group at the front. Um, and maybe one or two others might. Uh, Shamar, do you want to come join us at the front, maybe? Um, um, hopefully, we've had helpful discussions. In terms of the top one, uh, which group, which group, we, we over here covered that, and it was at the front two. That, that makes sense, that makes logical sense if I put the front two as that one. Um, any, any feedback on that question? If someone tells us Jesus was a created being rather than the same being as God, if someone, someone tells us he's any lesser than God, that he, he's not doesn't share equality with God. How do these and maybe other scriptures that came to your mind help you to answer against this? Mark. Is it, is it on? I don't know. We can hear you anyway, but for, for the sake of the recording. <laughs> there's, there's some sort of sound coming from it. Ca carry on. Sorry, Mark. He is the creator himself. He's the agent of all the 
of what we got. Yeah. Great. Um, as I was saying to this group, um, I, I don't know if this is true in, in Jehovah's Witnesses, but it's certainly true in, in Arianism um, about Jesus created like the first creation and then everything else. So um, definitely Jesus was involved in creation. He was there at the beginning. But if someone said, well, Jesus was created first, then everything else, um, if we just to push us even further along the line. Um, how, how would, uh, would you just be more confused? <laughs> Does that make any sense, what I just said? Um, so people, so, so Mark, Mark was saying, and very rightly and helpfully saying, that the creation came through the Lord Jesus. Is that right, what you were saying? And, and it's there at the beginning. But some might say, God the Father created Christ first, and then the rest of creation. Um, just pushing us a bit deeper, um, how, how would these passages help then? Um, do, do these passages say that, that he was God? <laughs> Yeah, can you use the moving mic when you say, I mean, you probably don't need to re repeat that, David, but um, <laughs> any, any other feedback from that question? Ruth, yeah, uh, Ruth. Just for the sake of those who are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, just, it was just very briefly that in when you were pushing that thought further, I was just thinking that Colossians 1 says he was before all things mm. as well. So it was even bef before things were created, he, mm. he was before them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we were just reading Philippians in our group, and it says, Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God... Uh, did not consider equality with God. So uh, Paul's suggesting, say, saying to us, he is equal with God. He, he, he is God. He's God in very, his very nature. Um, yeah. Um, other three groups. Someone tells you that Jesus isn't eternal. Uh, how was your discussions back there? Oh, were you the top one? Ah. Cool. So it must be the middle two groups then. I mean, we did we did look at those verses, which John fairly clearly teaches that, that Jesus was eternal. And John one one in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Which I think the JWs in translate as a God, which did is not you? what it says. Yeah. But we actually looked at some other passages as well. The Philippians one you've already mentioned in Colossians 1. But there's also Hebrews 1, 1, 1, 1 to 8, which talks about the Son being, um, well, being in very nature God. Mm. There's Hebrews 13, 8, I think it is, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. And we also looked at Isaiah 6. Uh, sorry, Isaiah 9, verse 6, which um, actually bears on both questions. Can you read that? It says, 
For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, notice the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's a really helpful verse to remind us of. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Any, any other comments from groups? Roger, David, even? Uh, hang on, hang on. Mike, Mike's coming. Mike's coming. Uh, another good point, another good passage is, is Micah 5. Micah 5? Out of you, uh, Bethlehem, of, of the clans of Ephrata, will be one born who's going forth to be in form everlasting. Um, the word everlasting is, could be translated from world or from eternity. Yeah, thank you. Christmas passages. How, how well do they help us? Like, yeah. Verses we all know as well. And verses people see on Christmas cards telling us that, that Jesus is, is God, that he's eternally God. Um, that's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any other comments or even questions? Um, I mean, we're, we're dealing with some big stuff. I can't promise to answer them. But, um, really but I said you mentioned the name of the heretics mm. I think it's worth mentioning the name of Athanasius so I think it was the great defender of orthodoxy at the council of Nicaea and uh, basically persuaded all the others the next but yeah. yes Athanasius was influential and was went on to be even more influential between the council of Nicaea and the council of I think it's Chalcedon in 381 um, yeah Thanks, Steve. Shout out to shout out to Athanasius. <laughs> uh, Aaron, you have the mic. Yeah, no, don't worry. I've lost my thought. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Arsema has a question. Thank you, Arsema. Oh, Jerome. I didn't even notice Jerome. Sorry. Uh, Jerome first, then then Arsema. I just wondered what people make of Romans nine. Is there something, Romans 9, verse, in my version, it says, to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. Is there something about the interpretation? That, that would, at an initial glance, seem like a, a very straightforward text, but to, is there something that can happen with the commas? Or What, what verse was that? Is that that's Roman, Romans 9, 5? Romans 9, verse 5. There's it says, who is God overall? Yeah. Just after mentioning Christ. So a, a kind of natural reading of that is he's saying Christ is God overall. But yeah. do people like Jehovah's Witnesses do some kind of exegetical gymnastics with that or put commas in different places? Or, I mean, maybe uh, they do. You know. Yeah. That would be interesting to look up. Does anyone know? No. We'll do some homework. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear. Uh, That's a good point. Only that I thought, yeah, we were saying that, that um, the often it's God, they say a God. Yeah. It's worth, I guess, checking what translation someone's reading. Yeah. 
Uh, um, my question was sort of answered by Jerome. Oh. So, thank you, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just wondering how Jehovah Witness can say that Jesus is not God. How do they explain that to their followers? Or uh, I just um, wanted to understand uh, part how... Part of it is the Bible they've used and faulty translation, really. Um, yeah. Oh, this is exciting. Thank you. Um, just the, the famous... Um, quote from Revelation that, G, uh, that um, says, uh, where is it? Um, verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And as you go down, Jesus says himself, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. Mm. And the Alpha and the Omega is, is everything from beginning to end. There is no nothing outside of that. So that kind of definitively says, Jesus quotes, and, and it's written, you know, um, God says they're one and the same, first and the last. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, really, really helpful verse to, yeah, point us to. Um, any, any last comment or question before we wrap up? Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. We were discussing that Revelation text as well, and one of the things Three. I think was striking is that John falls down as if dead, mm. kind of in, in, in an act of yeah. worship and utter awe. And in other places, He's when gone. he goes to worship angels, yeah. they say, "Please get up, don't worship." Yeah. You know. It's, so, and there are other places I can't remember where in the scripture where it clearly says Christ is worshipped. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I mean, a little bit different, but. Similar in in our home group on Wednesday, we were looking at Exodus 3 and the burning bush and Moses going up to it and having to take off his sandals, its holy ground, and um, like that, that reverence towards God. And John shows that as he falls down on his knees before, before the living Lord Jesus, who is God, doesn't he? And um, you've got Isaiah as well, when he's confronted with the glory of God, he woe is me. I don't know if he falls to his knees, I can't remember, but um, it's a sim similar reactions, isn't it, um, to Almighty God. Um, yeah, helpful. Thank you. Um, just, to, just to move on uh, a little bit after uh, the Council of Nicaea uh, in 325 um, and to tee up something for us uh, next week, uh, that everything wasn't quite sorted with the Council of Nicaea and the uh, Nicene Creed. Uh, so you've got a, a bit of a battle going on between the Nicenes, as they were calling it, people of the Nicene Creed position and people of the, uh, the originists, uh, who believed very clearly that the Father and the Son were two distinct persons. So, so there's a, a little bit of battle, a little bit of difference uh, going on um, between these two, two sides. Um, so that the Nicenes believing Jesus, yeah, absolutely, is, is the same being with the Father, that word homousios. Um, uh, 
but the originists um, saying that they're, they're also, the Father and Son are two distinct persons. They are both God, but they're two distinct persons. Um, so that adds something else uh, to the whole discussions that were going on then. And so um, the, the originist party were forming kind of the Eastern view, the Eastern church's view, and the, the Nicenes were forming kind of the Western view. Um, but Athanasius, uh, as Steve mentioned, um, w- was a kind of key player in, in bringing the two sides together. Um, when um, Constantine, the emperor, died, his two sons had the empire divided between them. Uh, so Constans in the west, who favored the Nicenes, and, and Constantius, uh, the <laughs> very imaginative names all coming out of Constantine, um, in the east who favored the, area, uh, the um, origins. Um, you're, you're, you're awake, that's good. Um, and so Athanasius was, was a, a key part in all their discussions, and um, his place was kind of taken up by a, a new generation uh, of Nicene theologian, theologians who, who kind of arose from uh, this time. Um, so you've got Basil of Caesarea, Gregory of Nyssa, who was Basil's brother, and Gregory of Nazianzus, something like that, um, who met uh, Basil, uh, met the bottom Gregory um, whilst they were studying in the capital city of uh, Cappadocia. Uh, And they became really good friends, and apparently they were described as kind of the Jonathan and David of the patristic age. Um, Basil, the top one, uh, was known as a great preacher when he was appointed as a bishop. He spent a lot of time uh, after the, the Nicene, uh, Nicaea, Council of Nicaea. He spent a lot of time preaching and writing on the Holy Spirit. Uh, he argued for the full deity, as in the Spirit being fully God, because this, this became a debate that came out of the discussions on, on the Lord Jesus. Um, so Basil, uh, we'll, we'll think a little bit more about him next week when we think about the Holy Spirit. Um, Gregory of Nazianzus preached five theological or- orations, five sermons in other words, uh, which refuted Arianism and summed up the Nicene Doctrine. And these these sermons were really influential. They attracted huge numbers to his church. Um, and uh, the, you can even buy them in book form today. I, I had the privilege of reading them when I was at Oak Hill, but they were hard, hard reads. Um, the, the influence of these three men brought about a final union between the Nicene party and the Originist party. Uh, and the problem was centered around two Greek words. So this is where it all kind of comes together. Um, so you, you've, got, you've got the people that, that believe, yeah, Jesus is of the same being as the Father, and you've got people that believe 
yet that's right, but there's, they're also two distinct persons. So how do you bring that all together? Well, two words. The first word is ousia, uh, which means the, the one nature, being, or essence of God which Father and Son fully share and, e and equally share, making them one God. In other words, the Father and the Son are both God. Um, that, that, the, the bold bit's my words, my interpretation. Um, and then you've got the other word, which is hypostasis, which means the particular and distinct form in which the divine nature exists in Father and Son, making them two distinct persons. In other words, the Father and the Son are two distinct persons. And what Basil and the two Gregories were helping the church to understand well, actually, we can believe both of these things. Uh, we can believe, firstly, that the Father and Son are both God. They are both God. <laughs> but they are also two distinct persons. Uh, and that's what, what Basil and the Gregories helped us, uh, help the church this time, and, and continue to help us to understand um, uh, truth about, about the Son uh, and the Father. They are both God's. Uh, and they are two distinct persons, but both God. Um, and that helps us as we, we understand uh, the Trinity from what the, the Bible shows us. Um, once the debate was settled on Christ, they, they could then properly uh, debate the uh, Holy Spirit, but we'll, we'll save that for next week. Um, we've done plenty this evening. Um, thank you. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's been a helpful time for us all. Um, maybe could one or two people lead us in a prayer of praise to our, our triune God, um, and then we'll, we'll sing uh, and pray a final prayer. Um, yeah, let's do that.